Hey guys, welcome to Stock Talk. As always, it is Trevor Kirkpatrick alongside Corey Edge. Corey, uh, I did this one solo. Uh, this was your week off, and I had a good times with uh, our guests that we're going to have on today. Yeah, uh, I wish I could have been a part of this conversation, but as we know, life happens. Sometimes you got to right. step away for a little bit. And uh, from what I have heard, this episode is going to be real good. Yeah, uh, we're going to have Mr. Gary Childs on this time. Uh, when we were, or I was down in Louisville with the booth. I grabbed Gary. He was over at the cane booth and uh, he was more than happy to record an episode. So he jumped in the Walton Webb casting mobile studio and we recorded a episode kind of touched on his days as a fieldman, what the fieldmen are like today and what he thought there. And really kind of a cool conversation with a guy who just uh, is well known within the industry and judged a bunch of them really. He has. And Gary is also one of those guys too, that as soon as he starts talking, you know who he is immediately. Like if you've ever yeah. heard Gary talk one time, like as soon as he opens his mouth, oh yeah, that's Gary Childs for sure. It's kind of funny. Before we jumped on here, I was editing uh, what you guys are going to be listening to here in a minute. And Corey's like, oh, there's Gary if I've ever heard him. <laughs> Very distinguished voice. So yeah. uh, with that being said, uh, we couldn't do this deal without our friends there at Walton. Absolutely not. Continue to follow Walton. If you're not. I don't know what you're doing. I mean, you're, you're listening to us. You might as well go and, and check out their content too. Oh man, I'll tell you what, they are doing a bunch of county fairs now. Uh, I think uh, there's been three in the past week that I've seen there in uh, Indiana. Yeah. So, I mean, man, you could stay out of the heat, sit back at your own conditioned house and watch these pig shows, cattle shows, sheep shows. They can do it all, man. Yeah, I think it's cool. The The county fair aspect of it is really neat. And that's what is unique to Walton is they're, they love supporting, you know, the county fairs and and uh, making sure that, you know, there's opportunity for other people to see what these county fairs are like across the country. Um, yeah. You know, a guy from California can watch a county fair in Ohio if he wants to. Yeah. And, you know, if if I was on a board of, uh, of my, a county fair close to me, which I intend to do eventually, I'm going to tune into a lot of those and watch how they run it because every time I'm judging a show, they usually ask, Hey, you know, how can we make this better? Well, crap, you can get on WaltWebcast.com and look at all those and kind of see where you're at. And if you're a competitor in the livestock deal, that is a free ticket to see your competition out there. True. Yeah. If, if you know that there's going to be some lighter weight state pair, uh, animals exhibited, whether that's, uh, sheep, cattle, or hogs, uh, goats, Rabbits, even. Uh, they've done a rabbit show now. And so, you know, there's tons of opportunity to say, hey, I haven't seen this one out yet. Or maybe they just show up to their county fair and they go to state fair. You don't want to get blindsided by something that uh, maybe is better than what you think. That's true. Uh, Corey, you mentioned state fair there just briefly. I did mention state fair. And what's really cool, if nobody's heard yet, um, on our on our previous episode there with Mr. Uh, Dougie Fresh Albright, um, we made an announcement that Trevor and I are going to be at the Indiana State Fair. Oh, where's my DJ horn? Wah, 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 wah. There it is. There it is. Perfect. <laughs> so um, if you are in a surrounding state um, or even states away, I would highly encourage you to come. Um, and there may be a little bias in the statement that I'm going to make, but I'm going to make it anyway. The Indiana State Fair is one of the most 
competitive livestock shows in not only the Midwest, but in the country. I second that. I mean, if you, and I'm not saying they are the most, I'm saying they're one of the most because there's other great state fairs um, that are out there. But uh, I would encourage you guys to go and visit the Indiana State Fair, watch the shows. Um, You could also watch those on Walton Webcasting, by the way. Another point for our friends at Walton. Um, So this year's theme for the Indiana State Fair is Heroes in the Heartland. And it's presented by the Indiana Donor Network. Um, The 2019 Indiana State Fair will salute our heroes in the heartland, including Hoosier farmers, first responders, educators, members of armed forces, and many others who keep us safe and make us proud, including those young livestock exhibitors, right? That's right. Join us in celebrating the heroism of Hoosiers who, whose exceptional commitment and caring enrich our lives. So go to the Indiana State Fair, watch the shows, be a part of the action. Yeah, and uh, this is probably the coolest opportunity we're going to have, one of the coolest, because we're going to be there with our booth. We're going to be interviewing a bunch of cool people, getting a bunch of good content. So I have that date circled about four times. I am pumped to get to the Indiana State Fair. Yes, and I don't have it circled, but it is in my Outlook calendar on my phone. I like reminders that way. I'm more of a yeah. – I've, I've, I've really developed into this digital age that we're in, Trev, so – yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, we've talked about that before. I, I do both because I know if I forget it one place, then I have it in another. So true. L- looking forward to the repetition. ISF. Yeah. So, so we are doing something pretty cool. Also, um, as you may know, or if you watch the grand drive Barra show at the national junior summer spectacular, thought it was very cool that our friend Brian Arnold, what he did on the microphone. He prayed for uh, one of our little members of the community that's been down, uh, Ryan Day and his little boy. Uh, He had a little bit of a health concern there and he fought and battled and he's now home doing very well. So we are very, very thankful for those. But as we can imagine, spending almost a week in a hotel is very expensive What's so cool about the Day family is they didn't take it upon themselves to ask for money to pay for their own things. They were thinking about the other families who aren't as well off, I would say, for paying for that. So they want to increase the amount of money raised for the Ronald McDonald House there at the Riley Hospital. So what we're going to do here at Stock Talk Podcast is for the next 30 days, which is until August 16th, 10% of all of our sales online are going to be donated to that fund. We also have our friend there, Scott Shellhouse, with the top shelf skin conditioner. He's going to match that with his products. So very, very cool way for Day Nathan Day to not only just pay it forward, but we're going to pitch in there and 10% of our sales are going to go towards that fund for the next 30 days. Yeah. So if you've been thinking about buying some merch, uh, what better time to do it than now? Uh, little Henry Day is doing well. He's back home and uh, he's, you know, fighting the good fight. I think he's just, it was kind of a scare for that family. And, and we definitely uh, don't take things like that lightly in our industry. And that's definitely been proven in the amount of money that's been raised so far for the Ronald McDonald House um, right. in, in support of uh, Nathan and Renee. Uh, also getting some special gifts for the nurses and doctors that were uh, so attentive to them while they were there. So 
we love giving to good causes. Um, and this is one heck of a platform to do it with. So uh, get your checkbooks out and uh, your go steal your mom and dad's credit card if you're younger yeah. uh, in our younger audience and, and go buy some merchandise, great Christmas gifts. Um, That's right. Birthday's coming up. Thanksgiving's coming up. Always need to be thankful for something. So why not be thankful with a uh, Stock Talk hat? You know, whatever. That's so right. Go find your merch. For- do that next 30 day. And like we said, there's a lot of other people out there that uh, need this. So uh, I guess the the day family brought it to our attention and this is going to pay it forward for all of those in need. Um, so yeah, rush to the store, www.stocktalk-podcast.com and click the menu bar to find the shop and you can purchase your items from there. Trev, might I add... There's another website our fans should go to. Oh, please do. Patreon.com slash Stock Talk podcast. If you, and that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, for those that have trouble spelling, uh, <laughs> <Me>. dot com. <laughs> uh, so Trevor and I kind of thought of this cool idea uh, that there's some things that we would like to discuss that maybe be, maybe be, maybe shouldn't be public, um, you know, for everybody to have access to. So there is some interesting, hilarious, thought-provoking, and might I say even some legal issues being discussed. That's right. We'll get into that. That that, that one's going to be heater, and I'll just tell you folks right now, if you only subscribe for one month just to listen to that episode, you need to. Yeah. Oh, uh, we're, we're pumped about letting loose a little bit. What you guys are listening to every Wednesday and what you're listening to now is content that is forever valuable. Uh, you get a lot of education and thoughts from our guests. This platform on the Patreon is kind of the backstories, the down and dirty of Corey and I kind of letting loose about some events that we've encountered, uh, most of them funny, some of them very serious, and you're going to hear absolutely everything. These episodes are ad-free, so you just kind of we cut it loose. That's that's about as good as I can de- describe it. It's not something we want public, so you pay a small monthly fee, and you get all the content in your world. And if you do that, we will thank you. There's many different levels to do this. Oh my. We will thank you for some free merch. And we will, yeah, you name it. We we can do it. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can pay enough to go on a trip with us. How about that? Boom. I mean, so, I, I don't know if that's good or bad for people, but uh, it'd be good for us. So, really, the whole purpose behind doing the <laughs> Patreon is that you know we we want to give uh, an opportunity for our listeners and and for you guys to have access to something that nobody else does. First of all. Second of all, we want to give some free stuff away for, for those that uh, want to be included in that group. So that's another yeah, reason. You didn't like free merch. Right. Uh, and, and thirdly, uh, and maybe most important for Trevor and I at this stage is, uh, you know, those monthly subscriptions help fuel us to help make this thing better. I don't know if you yes. guys noticed, but I think uh, if you go back and listen to like our first couple episodes versus where we're at now, uh, we have significantly improved. Uh, based on some reaction from both you guys, the listeners, and some self-reflection from Trevor and I um, on how we need to be better. So uh, we're working on that. And, you know, 
that uh, those subscriptions certainly help in that effort and helping us bring some fire content to your fire. earbuds. Far. All right, guys. Well, without further ado, help me welcome my Georgia friend, Mr. Gary Childs. Well, we have a, another big name in the Walton Webcasting Mobile Studio. We are here at the National Junior Summer Spectacular in Louisville, Kentucky. We got Mr. Gary Childs in the booth this time. Gary, if you wouldn't mind just telling our listeners uh, who you are, if they don't know you, where you come from, and what you do. Well, I, uh, my name's Gary Childs. I grew up in Pelham, Georgia. My family started in the purebred Yorkshire business when I was three years old no, in wow. 1965. And uh, just from a historical perspective, it was Dan Baker's first type conference as a Yorkshire oh. <laughs> field man. So that's uh, actually when Dan and my family uh, became acquainted. And we raised, we kept about 100 Yorkshire sows uh, for over 20 years there at the farm. And then uh, uh, in 1984, I had the, the good fortune or the, the wonderful opportunity to go to work for the American Yorkshire Club as a field man. Okay. And uh, so I did that off and on for 15 years, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, I got to go, you know, visit all the famous herds yeah. of hogs at that yeah. time and, and get on a first-name basis with the people that I had always looked up to and admired when I was a kid growing up, having grown up in the, in the purebred hog business and the swine industry. Uh, so I moved home in 1999, and, and uh, Steve Cobb and Ricky Stevenson and I started a boar stud. Uh, called Southern Advantage that uh, uh, we sold semen uh, in the show pig business, predominantly show pig semen, uh, for close to 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it, it, uh, we enjoyed it, but uh, it was just time for us to, to go other directions uh, with, with that semen business. Been in South Georgia and just some of the challenges oh, yeah. uh, that we faced down there just from a, uh, one of the one of the interesting things about that was when the guys in the Midwest started having open houses, it was hard for us to uh, <laughs> pull somebody in there. It was hard for us. We'd get a, we'd get a few visitors, straggling visitors going to, to uh, Disney world. Or yeah, something, yeah. You know, and yeah. the whole time their family's out in the car, dad, let's go. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that was, that was one of the things that really changed, changed our, uh, our, our emphasis in the semen business. And so then I started, uh, Raising a few more show pigs and buying and reselling show pigs. And, uh, and about three years ago, uh, I wound up working for Kane Manufacturing. Okay. One eye as a salesman. So we still sell a, sell a few show pigs and okay. work with Kane. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've pretty much been involved in some facet of the swine industry all my life. Yeah. Well, uh, you touched on a few things we're going to get more into detail with, but that's a pretty good introduction. You're no, you're no stranger to the green shavings. You no. judged here a couple years ago, and many times before. How many times have you judged here in Louisville? Oh, I'd have to count. I don't even. It's, it's, <laughs> Too many. I'm not trying to be. I'm yeah. not trying to be flip here. It's it's been uh, four, five, five, four or five. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So you said you were a fieldman for the Yorkshire Club back in the day. Explain a little bit about what that was like then compared to kind of what it is now. When I started on the road in 1984, the first three or four years I was on the road, I worked predominantly in the southeast. The only time I would leave my territory was to go to the Yorkshire Show at the Indiana State Fair or the 
the uh, summer uh, the summer type conference. Mm-hmm. The winter type conference was always in my territory. Right, so right. I, you know, and those were predominantly the the, the shows that we uh, uh, covered during yep. that time. And then later on, some additional conferences and things were uh, were added. But I would work between seventy five and a hundred production sales and test station sales, where uh, our breeders would sell boars and gilts to commercial producers uh-huh. in the southeast and some breeding stock yep. as well and um, so that was I, all I did was go from hog sale to hog sale in in that in that time period and uh, uh, people ask me all the time you know how do we train these new fieldmen and I don't have a good answer because Mark Pickle and Dan Baker trained me right because they stayed with me we traveled together practically a great deal out of every year right and they were always giving me advice yeah which well, i was 21 in green when i started and <laughs> I, at times i didn't always appreciate what they were trying to tell me <laughs> at the time but but those two guys always had my best interest yeah. at heart so i at heart i was very very fortunate so the guys that come on the road this day and time don't have quite that luxury right even though through the pig the pig sales in the midwest a little bit but it we I'd leave one of I'd leave Mark off at the airport and pick Dan up at the same airport and we go sell <laughs> yeah. some more sales. So. Yeah. So it seems like I mean from a third person's perspective, there was a bunch of of those production sales and and companies trying to promote their herds. I mean bred sow sales. I mean I hear from Kevin Wynn all the time, one of my mentors, about how it used to be. And uh, you know Dan Frobos was a Yorkshire fieldman also, and he was trying to tell me about how it used to be. Well now it seems you know there's more show pig boom. Uh, more show pig sales. Of course, you got the online market. So the big push was those production sales. Is that kind of the, the oh, bread absolutely. Bread when, when I first started on the road, uh, the show pig thing was 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 alive and well in the Southwest. In relation to what it is today, it was it was it was very very small and in its in its infancy. Yeah. Even in even in Texas and Oklahoma, uh, but our main focus was was commercial men. Mm-hmm. commercial hogs and commercial boars uh, for about half the time I was actually on the road as a field man. Then the corporation started getting more and more sows. EPA regulations started mm-hmm. to become more and more of a factor. Uh, the hog market had two terribly, uh, two terribly, terribly hard crashes where hogs were less than 10 cents a pound. Yeah. And, that, and that really changed the complexion of the commercial swine industry as we knew it throughout the country, uh, but people like raising hogs, and and the the showing of pigs gained popularity. Yeah. While the commercial business was going backwards, the show pig business took off and really kind of filled in some gaps yeah. for for a lot of people uh, that had the facilities and had the ability and the wherewithal to raise pigs. They just didn't really have a viable market. Right. So the show pig business turned into for a sure viable market. That. Yeah. So you mentioned some of your mentors. Who would you attest some of, like, where you're at today? Who would be a couple of names to attest uh, your mentorship? Well, from a professional from? standpoint, the gentleman that hired me, uh, well, Dan Baker, uh, Dan Baker and Mark Pickle as the auctioneers we mm-hmm. talked about. I travel with them constantly. Uh, Glenn Knatcher uh, was a secretary of the American Yorkshire Club, uh, and I did a lot of work for him. He gave me the opportunity, 21-year-old kid, you know, out of South Georgia to go and, and uh, work for the Yorkshire Club. And I also worked uh, some with Bob Naylor. Okay. He was the Hampshire secretary at that time. 
and Bob was a really influential guy in my early career. And Dan Parrish at that time ran the Chester mm-hmm. Wine Association as well. And, and all three of those guys uh, really were good to me and, and gave me good advice uh, over the years and were patient at yeah. times with me, probably beyond maybe what they should have. From a breeding standpoint, I, I, I Steve Cobb is a guy that I learned a lot probably learned more about breeding hogs from him mm-hmm. than, than practically anybody. But I, you know, I was getting exposure to people in the Southeast like Thad Sharp, tremendous businessman, Ray Mormon, a great Yorkshire breeder yep. during the time. Uh, you know, and then, and of course, then I got to know Bill Thunderbird and I'd get to know Bill Haywisher and the Fars out of Indiana yep. and, and, uh, uh, you know, just so many breeders that, would take time with a young young kid, you know, and I think that's the one thing I'd tell any young person is if you will if you will act interested and and pay attention to what any of the existing breeders uh, will tell you, they are they are interested in passing on that's what right. they know. Yep, you've got to you've got to spend time with them, and you need to go see them at their farms and visit with them and just let them. Just yeah. go through the hogs with them. Yeah. And any, I, I promise you, the majority of them, uh, if you'll schedule a time, will take time to do it. That's one of the great things about this business is those that have been successful uh, will continue uh, to to try and share the knowledge with the youth coming on. And that's a unique thing mm-hmm. about the about the purebred hog business or the swine industry in general. You know, from a university standpoint, uh, Dr. Bob Jones out of North Carolina State was a very influential mentor of mine. I, I learned a lot of things from him. Pig Paul was a man. Uh, he started the National Pork Producers Council yeah. and got to know Pig. And, and uh, I still talk to Pig occasionally <laughs> on the telephone, which is always interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've been I've been fortunate. That's a very that's a Reader's Digest list yeah. of people that have that have taken an interest in me and and, and tried to uh, tried to help me guide me in the right direction yeah. over the years. Well, that's, I mean, we've had guests on here before, and we asked kind of the same question. Everybody kind of has their own take, and almost all of them say, you know, don't be afraid to come up and, and introduce yourself or ask ask some questions because nobody knows you're wanting to get started unless you tell somebody you want to. That's right. And, you know, I was fortunate having Jim McCoy as a great uncle, and, you, you know, I that's that was my start. So a lot of people are <laughs> kind of envious. Hey, you got, you. it's in your blood. Sure. So, but. Yeah, and I, I, like you, if I'm in the McCoy family, there's also people that I met from there. So uh, that's that's awesome, and that's a good point from from what you said about mentorship. They're always wanting to help. You just got to kind of explain why you want your help. So um, talking about Georgia, this show pig boom has it seems the past couple of years has absolutely taken off. They're they're uh, we actually just had a, a young lady from Florida come and talk about the. Uh, the jackpot shows that they have and and how it's doubling in numbers and they're they're putting the summer uh, circuit in now uh what's your take on how that's taken off so far georgia uh there was a there was a man that's a dear friend of mine that, that started the jackpot circuit in georgia in the late 90s mm-hmm. i mean this that's georgia's been we we've been jackpot hogs that long now it was a slow go initially yeah. Yeah. getting started, but his name was David Burton, and he was an ag teacher at that time in Decatur County, Georgia, which is Bainbridge, and they had one of the really good livestock chapters. Well, he started what we think is to this day the largest jackpot show in the United States. He started that farm credit show oh. every, every January where we wind up, well, they'll, they'll let 12 to 1,300 head come, 
and they actually turn down uh, entries to that show wow. every year. There's that many people wanting to come to it, and uh, that was the that was the, the godfather of all the jackpot shows in Georgia. And so the Georgia jackpot circuit is is big and it's mature. Where Florida, those, those, there's been some, there's been a young lady, Brianna Lawyer, and yep. some other, oh, yeah. uh, uh, Brett Wiggler and a few other families have gotten really, really interested. Brett's an ag teacher, and Brianna, she's from Indiana, yeah. And, yeah. and has done a terrific job getting that started. Uh, and, and there's been a lot of interest in that. Mm -hmm. uh, Florida has always shown a lot of pigs. It was a, it was very county oriented. Mm -hmm. And so from that end of things, it wasn't nearly as competitive as what right. it's. Uh, and I, I realize they've had some growing pains through that, but the interest down there continues to be uh, really, really good. I, I'm so proud of what they're accomplishing down there mm -hmm. uh, because it's uh, the level of competition is increasing yep. uh, dramatically down there. Uh, and it takes as good a one now, you know, to get along in Florida. Oh, yeah. They bring those kids to these national shows. And I hate judging showmanship at the Florida jackpots <laughs> anymore because in every group, there's four or five of those kids. That can get it done. Yeah, yeah. just kind of, I tell them, look, this is the way I like it today. Right, right. You know, if, yep. you're, if you're not seeing it the same way that I am, <laughs> don't take it personal. You know? <laughs> right. Uh, uh, but but because they're really, really good, and they, they've started getting those kids more and more exposure. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, Georgia's tough. Georgia's big and it's tough, and it's it's about as hard to win down there oh, yeah. anymore as it would be anywhere in the country. Yeah, and I, I think the NSR put in the southern. Uh, there's another show that they're trying. I forget the. the well, they're going to have a pig one. sale. The sale. That's correct. Now, now yeah. the Southeast Regional is is by far the biggest. Oh yeah. In in NSR NJSA regional event in the country, and it's it's a little bit comparing apples to oranges because. They have crossbred bears and gilts right. at the southeast regional, but in terms of just sheer numbers, it's bigger than than wool. Is yeah, now, I think yeah. they're pretty close. Yeah. Well, and it, I always enjoy that one too because you can see feet really good. <laughs> if you're sitting yeah. ringside, if you're buying one, you know what you're getting. Don't ask me why they started showing on green carpet in Georgia, but they do, and everybody thinks that's the way they need yeah, to do it. Yeah. Well, I've heard you know, hey, you know, we ought to put some shavings, and they won't do no, it. That's no. that's their trademark. Yep. It's kind of like green shavings yeah, here. Absolutely. The biggest pet peeve that I have in this show pig deal right now mm. is skin and hair and mange. Ooh. Like red dots, ugly skin, mange on their feet. They're swollen. Our friend Isaac Mersh in a couple episodes hits a nail on the head there. But yeah. I got something to help us out, man. What is that? Code blue shampoo. Ooh. Like code blue, like, hey, somebody's dying right now. Let's, let's yes. bring it back to life. The freaking skin is dying, and Dr. Price has created a shampoo to help us out. Code Blue is an antibacterial, antifungal shampoo made specifically to prevent fungal and staph infections in pigs. How many times have you seen those backs open up, it gets crinkly, and then there's scars? This product right here will prevent that. He developed this product with the most common skin issues in the pig industry, namely staph and infections. And on the backs of pigs are becoming more and more common in this industry. My goodness, jump on the store, get yourself some Code Blue, because this stuff is for real. Uh, thank you for uh, letting me penetrate your earbuds once again, uh, because I am not involved uh, in this particular episode because of Trevor's interviewing skills in my absence. I want to just add one thing to this. 
if you don't want to have people posting pictures of pigs with staff infections on their backs on Facebook, get code blue, get people involved with this product and we will eliminate that altogether. Holy buckets. We just solved a social smash issue. Oh yeah. Big time. Back to the show. Uh, so we do a we do a segment every episode called Topics from a Hat, and our sponsor for Topics from a Hat is Fierce Threads. They do a phenomenal job. All of our apparel comes from Fierce Threads. Um, so every hat that we use to pull our topics from comes from Fierce Threads. Those listening, go to fierce-threads.com to order your apparel. So we have a couple topics that were actually submitted today um, that I think it kind of goes hand in hand with what we're what we're talking about. But I'm kind of curious to know. Uh, what your what your thoughts are. So the first one comes from Indiana, and they chose to be anonymous. Um, they said, what age do you personally think kids should start showing in the livestock industry? I think that that varies to the, to the particular child. Mm-hmm. Uh, some kids are more mature yeah. earlier than others. Um, there's, there's been a lot of young kids in the southeast that they will start out showing a lamb yeah. or a little goat or something, mm-hmm. and then they'll go to a pig before they'll go to a steer. Yeah. A steer, or if you're going to get into cattle project, I would say I can't have a three year old. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, we've had we've seen kids show pigs that were four and five years old that can do really really good, mm-hmm. and we've also seen some that age that that probably didn't you know probably started a little too quick. Yeah. So I, I would almost say that there's no one set age. It's more mom and dad's right. going to have to figure out yep. whether their child is actually ready to do it. Uh, and if they're if they're standing around, man, I wish I could have showed pigs when oh. I was five years old. They made me wait till I <laughs> yeah. was ten. Yeah. You know, I was chopping yep. it a bit. Yep. Uh, because to that time there wasn't anywhere to show until you right. got to the county yep. four eight show, and you had to be ten years old. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I know I'd have, I know at five years old I've been ready to show a pig. So <laughs> well, I, I hear parents too, like oh, I'm going to wait till little Susie is ten. You know, we're uh, not going to get into that too soon. And some of them are like, when she's walking, she's going to have a whip in her hand, and we're going to get right, after that's it. Right. So no, that's that's, right. that's a good good topic there from a friend in Indiana. Um, Emily from Florida, we were just talking about this, has uh, a topic that says, any ideas about reaching out to the youth in our industry? Well, I I do think that's one thing that the, the NSR and the NJSA uh, has accomplished mm-hmm. uh, through these nationally sponsored events and regional events as well. There, there's more involved than just the pig shows. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's lots of educational opportunities, leadership opportunities. Um, yeah, I am... I, I like the track that the that the industry's on in terms of reaching out to the youth. Uh, you're almost talking about two separate, almost. I, and when I think about that, I almost think about two separate things. Do the youth want to raise breeding stock, or do they want to show pigs? It's yeah. easier to show pigs, right? If you decide you're going to get over in the breeding stock business, then that takes a little different approach, right? And and it's it's not quite as as user friendly perhaps because of the competitive nature sure. of being in the breeding stock business. Uh, but it, but but showing pigs, there's tremendous opportunity already available. I think that'll increase. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I think you'll see more and more uh, shows being available all over the country. I mean, like like in Ohio, y'all have that spring yep. circuit up there. Yep. And I, 
from an outsider looking in, it looks like to me it continues to grow. Oh, it's huge, yep. You know, yep. And, and who'd have thought you'd have been showing <laughs> 15, when Ralph Doak and I were running that country, who'd have thought you'd have had a, a jackpot show in Ohio in December and January and, and have a barn well, full Well, I know of a couple of families who just left the jackpot show and came right here. You know, so that's, I mean. That's it's, their lifestyle. So, so there's, there's plenty of opportunities. I don't ever want to discourage anybody from, from sure. hanging their shingle up and saying they want to try the breeding stock business. Uh, but it is a cruel, it is a business. Uh -huh. It can be rewarding, but it can also be financially very draining. That's right. Uh, if you if you don't uh, if you don't get after it, because you're competing when you decide to get into breeding stock business, you are competing with people that have spent lifetimes mm -hmm. and generations breeding hogs, and it's and it's not easy. It can be done. Everybody's yeah. looking for a better mousetrap. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I would encourage anybody to, to understand is the whole world is looking for a better mouse trap. That's right. If you can breed one better, then you're going to be in pretty good shape. Yep. Uh, you might be in real good shape, but it's yeah. breeding one better is not as easy as it probably oh, no. appears and to be. And everybody's looking for an answer in a bucket or a bag. Absolutely. And that don't happen. You you might can you might can uh, throw smoke and mirrors <laughs> at the breeding stock business for a little while. Yeah. And have a little success, but there is a track record That's right. that goes along with that. And if the hogs don't generate, you won't stay in the limelight very long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I always look at, you know, I try to study breeders over the years. And the one, like the cobs you were just mentioning right. and, and, and many others, but they haven't chased trends. They're just breeding good hogs and they're taking care of their customers. I mean, if somebody's wanting to jump into the breeding stock, taking care of people is big. From what I see, oh, absolutely, and then just making them good. Right. I mean, that's about as simple that's as right. it gets, but it's not easy. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. So, uh, no, that's that's all intriguing stuff. And you mentioned the Ohio jackpot shows. I remember. I mean, I'm only 26 years old, but when I started, 10, 11 years old, we had two weekends, and they were in Xenia for the winter jackpot show. And now there's probably half a dozen, almost 10. Sure. So it's it's incredible to see that kind of growth. Um, let's see here. I have another segment um, before we get into another one. So we call it Social Smash. What Social Smash is, is just any pet peeves. We usually do it on social media if you find one, but I, I like to hear just general industry pet peeves. If you have one or a few, uh, feel free to, to shoot them out there. We have a couple um, listeners that send some in, but I just want to hear your thoughts. I don't want to sound too negative because I'm always a fan of the industry and mm -hmm. try to promote the industry. So when I start down this road, I want to, you know, from the outside looking in to some degree on some of these major market hog shows and barrel shows and things, it, it appears to me that some of these hogs are getting pretty old. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't, I, I don't want to get it to the point to where the only way that someone feels that they can compete at one of these junior events, national junior events, is if they are a professional right. fitter. Uh, there needs to be a, some degree of innocence yeah. uh, to, to for the numbers to flow through and to have a and have a healthy industry. And yeah. I'm a big believer in a healthy industry. Uh, just to, and so the amount of manipulation that it takes to to uh, to get a and I, I suppose breeding guilts would be a little bit the same way uh -huh. too. Just the amount of manipulation that it takes to get them to this point concerns me. Yeah, uh, not quite sure what the, I'm not quite sure what the answer is because the old adage is always, well, the judges can fix that in the show ring, but yeah. the judges can only judge what they bring to. That's them. right. So that's right. Uh, 
but I, I do think as an industry there are uh, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talented young people, or, or young people to me, that I think when they're exposed to the right things and see the right things and and, and will do the right things. I listen to reasons at the uh, North American uh, Senior College Livestock oh, yeah. Judging Contest. Yep. I've done it four times now. And the intellect and the ability that these young people have is incredible. I think they just need to be exposed to the right things yeah. and, and and go from that end of things. Yeah. I, I hate to see it. I hate to see the junior program become so professionally involved that that's that people have the sense that the only way you can compete at one of these is if you're just, you know, yeah. pretty much a professional fitter. Right. Or, or breeder for that matter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, this may be a touchy subject, but all the time we get – topics and topics and actually i've kind of pushed them to a side just because they're they get pretty redundant but the whole political view in the ring and and all of that i'll just throw my opinion if you want to pitch in you can uh to me i'm judge just getting started in the industry and it's funny because i actually got a, a phone call this before this for this summer and said hey uh, so-and-so shows in this county a pretty well-known vet in ohio um is that going to be an issue i said man with all due respect I'm not going to ruin my integrity for a county fair, sure, right. not even a national, right. regional, whatever. Right. So I I think it gets blown out of proportion. I think if a judge is really studying the audience, he probably doesn't belong in the ring. Right. Um, but also, I for me, myself, I never know the gender of the, the showman because I'm studying waist down anyway. Right. You know, I, I agree 100 percent. I. I think, by and large, the integrity in the sh- of, a, of the majority of the judges is very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, you know, you get into that deal. Well, it seems like the same people went over and over. Well, probably there's a reason why. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you get right down to right. it, that the same people went over and over to some degree, and that's not that's not totally true or accurate either. But the, the way I approach that, uh, you know, I've been around this business a very, very long time. Uh, and and you've got to be pretty tough. I've, I've probably judged as many breeding stock shows as I have yeah. big market hog shows or bear shows. And you got to be pretty tough to judge those breeding stock shows because you've got to look those guys in the eye and tell them, okay, you're going to be fourth today yeah. or fifth today, and you know. And it, and it, it so I've just found that the best thing to do is just call it like you see it. That's right. Uh, a dear friend of mine uh, named Jerry McLemore had a quote one time, and I think that it was uh, uh, very, very appropriate for any young judge. Uh, if uh, if you're going to fall out with me over what I ju- how I judged a hog show, and you thought we were friends before then, we really weren't friends, <laughs> you know. So, uh, yep. Uh, and I, and I realize it's judging shows. I tell people all the time, judging shows is not a very good way to win friends and yeah, influence yeah, people because yeah. you know you're not going to make a lot of people happy yeah. irregardless people can tell you what they want to tell you but when everybody loads up they've got one goal in mind that's right and that's to, to win that's the win you yeah know? otherwise they probably would be a little more reluctant and wouldn't wouldn't spend the time yeah. and the money and and that coming to these shows yeah yeah uh, so you have to understand that as well and try to be fair to everybody yeah uh, but at the same time you've got to make you've got to make decisions the close calls are hard. Uh-huh. You know, you'll go back to the motel room or get in the car, <laughs> the truck, or the airplane or whatever. And well, you know, but you, you don't second guess yourself. Yeah. 
you know, what I've learned is just satisfy myself in the ring, and and then I can deal with any all the pats on the back or the kick, kicks in the behind. Either mm-hmm. way, yeah. as long as I've done it to suit myself, I don't feel like. As long as you can look the audience in the eye and say that is my favorite one, I feel pretty. I sleep pretty good at night. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> and on that'd be my advice. Uh, rely on what you know, because obviously, if you've got asked to judge something, somebody respects your opinion yeah. somewhere. Yeah, right. And so, rely on what you know and what got you there, and just that's right. You know. It'll all, it'll be the right, always, there's, there's never a wrong time to do the right thing. That's right. You know, is the best way to put that. Very so. good. What's your favorite show and maybe some of the favorite hogs you've ever seen over the years? It may take some thinking, but you've done many, so it may take some filing down. Well, I, I'll, we'll talk some about programs, but my favorite show is always the next one. Oh, I yeah. told people <laughs> yeah. that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll enjoy this week while we're here and celebrate with the yeah. winners and. And, uh, you know, commiserate with the ones that didn't get along quite as well as they need to. But then, you know, we'll be, it's time to look forward to the next one. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's almost the approach you've got to have to this. Uh, you know, I shows I enjoy. I, I enjoy any national mm-hmm. uh, national event simply because of the people. Yeah. The, the, the people aspect of it that you don't get to see as often. Mm-hmm. Living in South Georgia anymore, I don't get to see a lot of people yeah. that I, I was in regular contact with you know over the years uh and so i i enjoy the people at the national shows louisville is a uh one of my favorite shows i, I used to enjoy the national bear show oh yeah uh you know and, i uh, wish i could get there more often everybody yeah. says if you go you have a right. ton of fun well junior college senior right. college you get there and the judging con the judging contest aspect of that is what makes austin so unique and i I hear people talking all the time. Maybe this will be the last time for Austin. I hope that I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. Even if the NSR has to put has to prop that particular event up, it is the only swine specific judging contest. Yes. In the country. Yes. And those judging teams really get geared up for it, and it's it's quite an accomplishment if you can yeah. go to Austin or the National Barra Show. And a judging team and, oh, and get along. I'll never forget sitting in the auditorium with Dan Hogue. Didn't say a word. He walked into the auditorium and put a piece of paper up there with how many champions he's had in the past 30-something years. I got chills all of a sudden. And then he's like, this is what I expect. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> you know, and that's important stuff. Yeah. That's, you know, that's why that's why young people like you get into judging you know, get get into college judging to begin with. Yeah. Is go to the national bar. That's know, right. Go to Austin. That's right. You know, that's Big where that's, that's where you cut it. your teeth. At. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you know, I. When I you agree. look back through some of the people historically that have won that thing, but uh, you know, I, I, uh, as far as programs, uh, I can remember I can remember programs that stood out from the rest uh, over the years. Uh, you know, the the, the Cobb program has mm-hmm. has continued to be. I started working in 1984, and they've kind of just almost continuously uninterrupted, just continued to breed really good hogs, and, and I respect that. I uh, There was a herd of hogs out in California that would just kind of stumbled across almost one time in the Yorkshire uh, in the Yorkshire deal that was uh, the Gunland program was tremendous. And, uh, you know, I, I, could, I, I had the good fortune or I had the good sense to be able to identify programs. I was in England once, and one of the most impressive programs that I have ever seen uh, was uh, a herd of hogs named 
by a guy, by a guy named John Millard. Hmm. He had about 300 large white sounds, and he kept them in Quonset huts, buried up in, in straw, some sort of straw. It wasn't wheat straw. They had different, but it looked like wheat straw. Yeah. With that. Uh, and those were tremendously, tremendously impressive sounds. What would they look like compared to some what we're used to? Oh, they'd be very mainstream uh -huh. to, to this day and time. They might be a little longer and a little bigger than what a, a traditional show pig sow uh, would be. But uh, I mean, they were they were good. Yeah. And they, they're females can be timeless good in my opinion. Yeah. And he had about a bunch of them <laughs> that were yeah. very timeless good boars. Boars are more subject to the era that they're in mm -hmm. or the time they're in. Females, you can't monkey with them too no, much because yeah. if you do, you're going to get right. <laughs> going They'll get you in trouble if you go to changing your sows a lot. Right. A, good, a good female generally will be a good female. I can remember, uh, not just talking about Yorkshires, but I can remember going to John and Howard Newland's place mm -hmm. uh, and seeing, uh, seeing Stockbroker's mother, I can't remember the name. Earl Kane and his boys had bought a very influential boar from Newland, and uh, and there were three sows in one pen down there, and and those were some of the most impressive Hampshire females, and they were all different. Yeah. But they were they were extremely extremely impressive uh, impressive Hampshire females. There was a there was a guy down in Texas uh, that had had kind of developed the C D Smith line of hogs. Uh, and he had gone out on his own, named Dennis Blair. Dennis had had a had a sow and two of her daughters there at one time. They're some of the most impressive hogs I have ever seen mm -hmm. in my life. Uh, they were they were just outliers, even for his deal. They were very very good, you know. But then you'd go to then you'd go to places like all oh, Comparts back in those days, and I think they still got a lot of hogs, but there'd just be tons of Really, really yeah. good practical hogs in there. Go to the Rudders in Missouri, you know, and it's just how just how good those hogs were. You know, Ray Mormon during the time I was on the road had some of the most impressive breeding animals. Yeah. You know, and of course he was. We were selling those hogs all over the country. Yeah. Everybody breeding orchards. What were stuff. some of those genetic lines? Do you remember many of the what them sounds were out of? Or? The initial Yorkshires without the large white were all line bred breakthroughs. Mm. Now the Blair hogs, the, the Dr. Smith hogs, the C.D. Smith hogs were a little different than that. Uh, but the traditional American Yorkshires were basically, for lack of a better way to put it, were line bred breakthroughs. <laughs> Donnie Michaels had bred the first breakthrough boar, and then Bill Williams sold a boar that was a champion boar in Columbia, Missouri, like in 70 or 71 mm -hmm. or 72. H-O-W-O -O breakthrough. I don't remember his here or not. He actually was the one that wound up being the most influential out of that deal. Hmm. A gentleman by the name of Fred Haley from Canton, Georgia paid $4,000 for that boy. <laughs> and which, even in those days, a $4,000 champion was not a very high selling yeah. boar. But he he probably was, of, of my lifetime to this day, he probably was still the most influential American Yorkshire boy. Right. Uh, the... the the Smith hogs were kind of line. They were kind of line bred back to some south from those Cornelians up in Iowa. Uh, Lauren Christian and that bunch mm. been consulting with, yep. with with Doc Smith and Dennis Blair and put those hogs together. They were unique and, and there were some good, particularly for the time. There were some good in those hogs. Uh, you know, Hillman Schroeder and Carl Iskey had imported a bunch of 
a bunch of Irish hogs. Okay. Uh, and I they pretty much had all five of the large white lines represented in the in those hogs they had imported. Oh, wow. They had the King Davids and the Champion Boys, the Danny Boys, the Turks. Oh, there's five of them. Oh, the Field Marshals. Oh. Those were the five original lines of large whites, huh. and they had all those up there, and uh, uh, that was always interesting. And those oh, hogs are very good. Hillman still got hogs to this day. I, I don't, I don't know how his health is. He's probably got more hogs than he needs to be trying to look yeah. after. <laughs> he's an interesting place to go look. I mean, there's a lot of genetics up there oh, yeah. still, uh, and and he he was a great hog breeder. Oh yeah. You know? So that one of the last questions I'll give you is, where do you see we're at in the industry as far as purebred hogs and maybe some of the crossbreds? It's probably safe to say Yorkshires are probably up there, one of your favorites. So my opinion, again, I don't think it weighs much against yours, but Yorkshires were tough to look at probably five years ago. And we've really got an upswing in the way that they're made. The boars we're breeding to, very, very good now. But that's just my thoughts. What are your opinion on what we're seeing today? Breeding Yorkshires in the show pig industry is the biggest challenge uh, of about any of them. What, Yorkshires and land race, because of the amount of power that they've got to have to, to compete at events like this yeah. in relation to the other breeds, and also the demand to make crosses. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's probably had as much to do with it as anything, because some of the selection criteria that we use for Yorkshires is almost antagonistic to good productive yeah. sows. Yeah. And if, if you want to, if you want to really mess a Yorkshire up, start sorting away from production. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It gets it gets very very difficult. Yeah. You know Yorkshires are put on this earth to raise pigs. That's right. And the mother breed. Them. Absolutely. And raise pig and uh, raise pigs and grow. And the 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 more you try to to tinker with that and get them. To where you know people, the experts yeah. would think this is how they need to lift the harder it is to raise them. Yeah. So it, it gets to be a challenge, but you know, good ones are in every. If you study hard enough and look hard enough, it's been my experience in every breed during any period. There's always better ones. Yep, getting them identified and getting them used, utilized throughout the industry and through the systems is mm -hmm. the key. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, there's some material out there. It's just maybe not yeah. as much as it was at one time. And there's, you know, I mean, like, like I said, there's a lot of really talented guys. Oh, yeah. People breeding hogs and, and give them a little time. Yeah. Uh, I know the Hampshire breed's going through a little bit of a difficult, you didn't ask me this, but this is my 50 cent, you know, going through a little bit of a difficult time right now. But all, all those Hampshire breeders need to know what the rules are. Mm -hmm. Let them and turn them loose and let them get to work. They'll they'll break it out. It'll yep. be fine. Yep. It may just another yep. bump in the road. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We've had a bunch of opinions on that, and it's it's really fun to hear. All of them are saying it's we're going up. You know, sure. it's just a little difference. Right. So I, I feel pretty comfortable with what the NSR staff's doing. You sure. know, they're got everybody in the best interest. Else they wouldn't be in That's there. That's right. That's right. Um, one of the last questions I have uh, before we get to the, our final last. Our, we, we always ask what we. Our final last question, but uh, I interviewed a couple weeks ago uh, Mr. Clint Lee down there in Georgia. He's a g bright young man, and we all asked all the kids. We had three of them in the room there at showpig.com All-Star Camp, and we asked them all, hey, what's your favorite judge like to listen to? By God, he you're his favorite. He likes He's the Yorkshire females yeah. and likes to hear yeah. you talk. So He's a figured, I appreciate you telling me that. I didn't know. Going back to the whole uh, mentor thing, you never know who it is that's watching, but it may be a young man who wants to get well, started. Well, that's nice of you to say. Nice yeah. of him to say as well. 
Um, so the notorious last question that we always ask is, where do you see the livestock industry in five years? Boy, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm always optimistic about it. I think we'll adapt and figure out whatever challenges uh, need to be addressed. Uh, you know, there's there's this big cloud of this African swine mm-hmm. fever in the industry, and, and no question, it could be it could be very serious if it if it landed here in our country. Um, if we, I'm a firm believer, if we will follow the all the existing protocols and laws are in place in, in terms of importing live hogs uh, that I don't think we'll have much trouble. Mm-hmm. Now I realize everybody's got a horror story of some guy spitting in a you know spitting on the ground and in some big some big plague resulting from it and I guess maybe that could happen but I the, the likelihood of that unless they, unless the hogs actually come in contact with yeah. Just the common sense part of me says I don't necessarily know that that's that's going to happen. But you know, I I think the cattle industry the cattle industry will see more consolidation. Uh, the show pig thing's going through a little bit of a mat- maturity maturing process. Right. So there'll be some challenges. It's not it's not quite it's not growing at leaps and bounds like it was. The previous ten years, mm-hmm. it, the, the the production of them's kind of leveled out. Now the interest in people showing pigs hasn't leveled right, out. Right, right. Uh, but the, just the the interest in the breeding stock is probably uh, leveled out a little bit. And it's it's uh, people have the have the same access to all the genetics, same same genetics, uh, and that'll get more and more concentrated. It looks to me like you look at these four. Uh, conference reports and things. Uh, the really elite ones, the ones that get identified as really elite, become even more expensive. Yep. yep. And the demand for the average ones to, you know, there just seems to be very little demand for them at all. Yeah. I look for that to continue to, to be a trend uh, in the hog business. Um, you know, I, I think the I think the youth aspect of this, if we can. If we can avoid it, major diseases and that sort of thing just continues to grow and get mm-hmm. bigger. Uh, I know f- from our standpoint in Georgia, we maxed out in terms of the, the facilities. We've got to get a bigger barn uh, in Georgia for the Southeast Regional, our state market hog show, and the South and, and the farm credit show. Mm-hmm. We need another barn. If we do, I think we'll grow again. Uh, and, and another challenge in the state of Florida is they don't have a central Florida state show that's a big bad yeah. show. Like you said, it's all county specific. You're right. You know, and, and the jackpot people are doing a great job getting that going, but they don't have an Ohio State Fair, right? Indiana right. State Fair. Yeah. They don't have a o- OYE, right? You right. know, and so if they can get that addressed, and there's you know there's lots of opportunity in those places, and and they tell me California just booming as well. Oh yeah. So. Well, I mean, as quick as it grows, you're going to have setbacks and problems. Sure. But anything big, that right. happens. But the two biggest challenges I see uh, is is any kind of an impending, drastic, terrible, drastic disease outbreak, and then lack lack of facilities to hold these shows mm-hmm. as big as they could be. That's I, that's what we're facing in the southeast right now. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, is just getting the barn big enough to put the pigs yeah. in. Yeah, and you got interest. You got a house. Like the field of dreams, man. You build it, they'll come. <laughs> yeah, that's, and so, right. <laughs> that's right. That's right.
Well, Gary, this has been fun. I appreciate you jumping on, and it's been uh, a good history lesson for me. I love, love knowing where we come from in order to know where we're going. So uh, those listening, don't uh, forget to keep sending in your topics uh, and then also your social smashes. I know uh, we didn't pull any in social smashes this time, but trust me, they're out there. We also have a new platform called the Patreon where we talk about some hot topics that we don't want public and uh, it'll get uh, it's really really good so far we're just starting so find us on the patreon website also find us on any social media platform and keep listening you guys are awesome this has been another edition of stock talk